Hey there, welcome to the Pretty Little Tribe podcast, a space to talk about all things life, fertility, parenthood, and everything in between. My name is Elizabeth. I am an international fertility coach, ICF certified life coach, birth and bereavement doula, and new parent educator. Join us as we support the tribe throughout their journey from conception to bringing your new baby home and everything along the way. See you in the episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Pretty Little Tribe. I am so excited to talk to Lana Manikowski today. After seven years of fertility treatments and a lifetime dreaming of motherhood, she was presented with the realization that she would not be a mom. The years that followed were full of loneliness, self-judgment, and confusion about living a childless life. Lana learned to connect to a community of infertile women to grow past this together. When she couldn't find one, she created one with Stitch Coaching and the So Now What podcast. Lana is a certified coach with a specialty in belief reinvention, a mythology, mythology based on the relationship between one's beliefs, feelings, and actions. She guides women in the rediscovery of the, their meanings and helps them build a future that they truly love. I am so happy to talk to you today. Thank you for being here. Well, it's my pleasure. And um, I just am always so grateful to meet other people that, whether they were able to have children or not, understand the journey and the um, love we put into finding our dreams. So thank yeah. you. Yeah. I, so people ask me all the time how I got into this line of work and whatnot, and specifically in regards to fertility. And it's funny because I realized only the last year and a half through this that my journey really started when I was 19, when my sister, who was 26, came home um, and she was diagnosed with a rare cancer. And she was told she had four months to live and no one on the planet still to this day is living from it. Um, but yet she had to have a radical hysterectomy. And so all she could focus on was, I didn't mean that I didn't want to have kids. I, you know, I was just kidding because they, she'd been married for six months and you know, everyone asks you like, when are you guys going to have kids? When are you going to have kids? And she's like, we're going to have fur babies. And for, I, even then it really occurred to me that justification of the fact that they just told her that she might not live, but really all she can focus on is the fact that she can't have children. And I'm happy to say now this was 27 years later and she is, uh, you know, alive and well, but without children. Um, and I work with people all the time that we work through that closure process of it. So I would love to know how you got into this whole situation of helping other people on this journey, because I think it is so, so important because people don't really realize that there needs to be a closure and a, a, like this is an experience of something, whether however you get to it, that you need to work through. You can't really just leave it hanging because it will come up again later in your life at some point. Um, so I'm so happy to have this conversation and so you know, grateful for the work that you're doing, but yes, tell us, tell us all the things, please, please, please. Great. Well, thank you. Um, to answer your question, I think, um, it's multifaceted because I was very, um, at the end of my infertility journey, I 
was left with the decision, do I want to adopt? Do I want to have an egg donor? Or do I want to just move forward not being a mom? And mm-hmm. it took some time. I would say, you know, my last conversation I remember having with our reproductive endocrinologist that gave me those options. And I really wasn't sure at that time. You know, it was just an um, overwhelming to find out that I had one frozen embryo and when it was thawed, it had trisomy 16. So it was not viable for implantation. And our response levels after multiple rounds have just were just so low that um, they just advised I not continue on, um, mm-hmm. which I appreciated that they were honest with me. Sure. Yet at the our last visit, I was offered, you know, the option of adoption or egg donor, but really nothing else. And mm-hmm. when at that point, I wasn't sure what I was going to do, but when we decided that we weren't going to adopt or have a donor, I never heard from anyone. And I went through this journey of navigating what my life would be like. And I, I found a lot of coaches that help people going through it, mm-hmm. or um, the clinics would offer you someone that would help you navigate your process. But I just could not find anyone that would help the people like me understand that their life could still be full and abundant, even if you don't meet your goal of becoming a mom. And did you have a diagnosis of what was happening and how old were you at this time? I was 42 at the time. I had a diagnosis of unexplained infertility. So like many um, that I know in their forties, they just were very focused on careers and doing all the things. And for me, I met my husband. I was 30. We got married when I was 35. And, you know, frankly, I just never, it never popped into my head that I'd have any trouble getting pregnant. Right. So I know going into it, I was on the higher spectrum uh, or the, you know, percentage of people that would not bring home a baby. But I just, I have a background working in medicine. I work in urology. I see a ton of people that have had success um, through medicine. And I just assumed I would always be one of those people. And so to answer your question, I just felt like there was a void and I couldn't find anyone that had been through it and didn't have a baby that was out there talking about having a, a good life and loving their life. And I just woke up one day and was sick of feeling like my life was going to be in the toilet just because I couldn't be a mom. Right. And I started doing some work on myself. I had gained a lot of weight after my infertility treatments and that weight stuck with me. I would say for the couple of years after, I think I was eating my emotions versus dealing with them. And so I started working with, um, a weight loss coach who exposed me to thought work And that's where my journey began to helping others is understanding that we have much more control over what we're believing about ourselves and our story that can get us to the next level in our life. And when did you kind of put two and two together of I'm, I'm doing this weight loss journey, but actually I can translate this to somebody who's gone through a fertility journey as well. Was that pretty like instant for you? It was. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I would say within the first couple months, I was starting to understand the role that food was playing as a buffer for me, um, Mm -hmm. for, you know, my sadness and my loneliness of, you know, coming home to an empty house after a day of work and shopping was another thing I would go shopping and felt instant gratification by buying something beautiful. And, 
um, the coaching with the weight loss was really what exposed me to the fact that we believe a story about ourselves and that propels us to feel a certain way. And so when you're feeling lonely, you're kind you're oftentimes going for things that can give you this quick hit of, you know, feeling loved or feeling important, feeling needed. So those are some of the things that um, I learned. And then I decided right away that I wanted to become a certified coach so that I could help other women like me. Cause like I said, I didn't, I couldn't find anyone that was out there talking about a great life who was childless and helping people navigate that journey. So I wanted to be that for women like me. And how do you, how do you help people to get to that next step of kind of feeling sad about that grieving process of the life that they thought they were going after to then realize, okay, that's not going to happen. And I think, you know, I, I hate to say it, but there's a lot of people that I know that aren't even it's crazy. Like I, again, I'm hesitating to even say it because I I can't believe it's true, but there are stipulations of people that can't adopt even. So even if they do think, okay, maybe that's an option, if they've been divorced a couple times, um, if they're whatever the situation is, even though there's so many children out there, they they can find themselves in a situation where they're not eligible to do that. Um, how do you kind of go from, okay, I'm going to feel sorry for myself, which I believe, yes, have that time to feel sorry for yourself because this is a grieving process. But then at the same time, how do we get ourselves out of that? How do we start to move through that to say, I'm actually super excited about my childless life because we have more disposable income. We get to travel. We get to do all these amazing things that other people may not be able to do. But how do you find that brilliance when you're in it, because I know if I say that to somebody that's, you know, wanted that, and they're like, go F yourself, right? Like, it's easy for you to say, because you ended up with three kids, you know, I wanted that, you know, so how do you kind of cross that bridge to really feeling like, okay, no, I actually feel good about this now? Well, I think one of the most powerful questions I'll ask a student when I start working with them is how much longer do you want to feel this way? Because you know, I think you're spot on. We, we need some of that time in grief and some of that time of questioning and feeling sadness. And when we try to feel better right away, I think that you're just probably masking the, the true ability you have to heal from this. But I would say most, most people know that they don't want to live the rest of their life that way, but they don't know how to navigate it. So when I am working with someone new, we do what I call like a belief inventory and not from a judgmental place. I mean, we all have had these feelings thinking that our bodies didn't do what they were supposed to do. There's something wrong with us. We took the opportunity away from our husbands or our partners to become parents. Uh, so there's a, a host of things. So doing a, a belief inventory and just understanding like you know, what's your baseline? Like, what are the things that are keeping you feeling the way that you're feeling? Many times it's disappointment. Many times it's feeling shame that our bodies didn't do what they were supposed to. And then start to decide from there, like, is that a true statement? Is it true that your body did not do what it was supposed to? Maybe in this one instance of having a child, 
it didn't do what you thought it was supposed to do. But when we were biologically created or when our journeys were mapped out for us, our bodies do a lot more for us than just have a child. So just deciding that as long as you believe that your body wasn't designed what it was to do, what it was supposed to do, will keep you stuck feeling lacking. And, and start to challenge yourself to question, like how much longer do I want to keep this story about me? Because as long as I want to keep it, that's fine. I, I don't want to take that away from anyone, but just to create the understanding that the, the beliefs that you have about yourself are going to keep you feeling a certain way. But if you're open to maybe considering some other possibilities and, and starting to say, well, my, my body just didn't do what it was supposed to do in this section of my life and then start to focus on, okay, well, what do I want to challenge my body to do? And I always remind my students that your brain is part of your body and our brain is our biggest tool that we have. So we can create such a magical full life if we challenge our brain to really dig in deep and decide like, what are your biggest dreams? If motherhood is off the table, we can stop thinking about motherhood and stop keeping that restricting us from creating this dream life. And yes, we'll always have sadness about it and always wish that it was a part of our life, but we can start to dream now and talk about our future self. So I do a lot of belief, belief um, inventorying, and then from there deciding how we can change those beliefs to be something that's going to get you feeling the way that you want to feel. Awesome. And as far as the changing those beliefs, I found, and let me know if the, you see this with your clients as well, that a lot of times those are things that have started in childhood or somewhere else along the line. And these situations around the fertility just you know, amplify it in some way and, and sometimes let them stay in that kind of victim role as well, right? Well, if I would have tried earlier or if I didn't listen to my husband and we did it this way instead of that way or whatever. Um, and there, it seems almost sometimes a mirror reflection of other things that had gone on in their life at different times. Do you see that as well? And are you able to help people kind of move past that and, and have the recognition of, oh, like that light bulb moment. Okay. This is, this is kind of what I do and I should kind of shift that. It's just shifting the light bulb or the spotlight on this and now it's fertility and you know it's really breaking the cycle of what that is do you find that as well i do and it's interesting that you you talked about the teenage years because i think so many of us as women create this dream life for ourselves like we daydream in like high school like oh i'm gonna marry someone who's you know six five with brown hair on the football team you know who knows whatever this this image we've created for ourselves. And we never do an analysis of whether that's really what we want as grown women, women, educated women, career, you know, you have such a, a richness of experience that you've had since you created that dream life for yourself. But we never challenge ourselves to evaluate, like with all the life experience I have in my now, you know, in my forties, is that really the life that I'm comparing myself against and constantly feeling like I haven't achieved it, or I never ended up, you know, marrying someone from the football team or, you know, 
making a hundred thousand dollars or even, you know, from a career standpoint, you went to school for something and maybe you got interested in a different career path and you're constantly comparing your life to a version of yourself that you created in your teen years. So that's why I think it's so important to quit living in your past and decide like with the Lana or the Elizabeth I am today and all this richness that I've experienced good and bad and the things that I've conquered in my life, who do I want to be moving forward from this space of knowledge instead of somebody that I created when I was, you know, 16 sitting over at my best friend's house. Yeah. I I love that because what it's such a, an interesting perspective because I think people can hold on to it as long as they want, right? As, as you were saying earlier, but at the same time, having somebody to help you move forward through it, there's, there's, that's priceless. There's no, there's nothing that you can do to say, I, I wish I would have gone through this path and struggled through it more alone versus I have somebody to hold my hand through this to see the value to get to the other side, I think. And what we do, we call it the badass list because you're still a badass, regardless of the fact of you were able to have a baby or not. And again, most of the people that I see are very type A. They, And that's where a lot of the frustration comes in. I have done this. I've started my own business. I've climbed the corporate ladder. I've done all the supplement, like I've checked all the boxes and I couldn't do this one thing of having a baby. And so they feel like, you know, that trumps everything else that they did on their badass list. And that is so not the case, you know? Um, And I think just bringing that to light and realizing that that is a belief that we have in our head and that thought we have the ability to change the thought and the thought then go on goes on to change all the other things in our life and having someone to help us point that out is amazing so thank you for the work that you do what advice would you give to somebody who's kind of on this you know the fork in the road of do i continue to keep trying to do another round or of retrieval or of ivf or whatever it may be do i go down the road of adoption or do I choose the childless route? What, I mean, I know I would love your opinion on advice on such a big decision for somebody. Cause I know there's so many people that have to make that decision every day and or egg donor, which I of course forgot that, but that is so common now um, that I'm happy to know that it's so common. But at the same time, when somebody tells you that, I know I was told that, you never think you're going to hear those words. You're like, okay, how do I process this? And what does that mean for my life? And all of that sort of stuff. But again, I think it's an amazing um, option that we have, but not, it's not for everybody. Yeah. And I think um, sometimes you wish you didn't have the option. I know for me, I was like, I just wish someone would tell me what, what to do or what the right decision was for me. And luckily my husband and I were on the same, um, we were on the same page. We did look at adopting. Um, we went, you know, did some exploration into it. And as you mentioned, there are some barriers, um, depending on where you live, if there's more than 40 years discrepancy between you and the child, they, you know, they won't let you adopt someone. And, you know, we were well into our forties. Um, we looked at international adoption and, you know, Elizabeth, it just came down to, I, I decided that I wanted to just 
start living into me and it was a hard decision. Um, but I'd been through so many ups and downs through my fertility journey and cycles that were canceled. And then to have, you know, multiple rounds only to ever end up with one frozen embryo and that have abnormalities. I just decided that I wanted to preserve my energy and, um, the adoption thing just seemed very overwhelming to me at the time. And mm -hmm. so that was where we went with that. And then egg donor, we just, uh, we decided that if it wasn't, um, my egg and my husband's sperm, we just, we were going to not do the egg donor route. Mm -hmm. And so I think you, you really need to trust in your inner voice. I think a gift we have as women is truly having an inner voice and tapping into that and really tell, asking yourself, like, are you on the same page with your partner? Cause you also, if, if you don't have those conversations and, and don't hear both sides of people's opinion, I think that you might move forward regretting or blaming the other person. So the, the conversations, if you're in a partnership, I think is so important to have and come to the decisions together. So that would just be my advice. Yeah. I, and also I, I think again, having a coach like Lana to help you through that sometimes when you're at that kind of end of the road, so to speak, because I know for me, there was times where I felt like I didn't have a gut feeling. I lost my intuitive ability. I felt like during those times, cause I was so in my head and I having somebody or a coach or a friend even to say, help me ask me the questions to get me to my gut feeling, right? Like help guide me to my intuition because right now I, I just can't get there. And I think realizing that you're there too is really a gift and leaning on those people, lean into the people that are around you that understand you and or seek them out. How can people find you, Lana, if they're kind of on the cusp of making these big decisions? So I have um, a social media page on Instagram. It's called Stitch Coaching, S-T-I-T-C-H Coaching. I also have a podcast. It's called the So Now What Podcast, and it's geared more towards women that have come to the end of their journey and know that they're going to live a childless life. So that comes out every Tuesday. And then um, my website, stitchcoaching.com. Great. And on your podcast, are you talking to other people who are childless and have gone on to have amazing lives? What, what, what do they hear there? Because I, again, I know so many people that need these resources so badly and don't even realize that they're out there and that there's, you know, a whole community of people that are childless and, and are happy because I think when you're in it, you feel like you, you're never going to be that way. Or anytime you walk in a room with a baby, you're going to have to walk out and be angry that you didn't have that. Do you feel like, well, that's two different questions now that I'm getting into. So I'll let you answer that first. So at this point, I've only ever had uh, one guest on my podcast, and that was my weight loss coach who introduced me to thought work. Um, okay. so she's quite amazing. Her name is Corinne Crabtree. Um, otherwise I just keep my podcast short. They're like 10 to 15 minutes, but every week I give an exercise that people can work on or some like homework, if you will, um, just to take away from the podcast because coaching, uh, not everyone's ready for coaching. And I think a lot of people don't understand the value of working with a coach. 
Yeah. Uh, so what I would try to do on the podcast is show you that a lot of the answers you have are already inside of you and working with a coach just helps to ask you those questions that you sometimes don't think of on your own, or you're not challenged to ask yourself. So my podcast, I try every week to just give a little nugget of something that folks can work on and do the work for themselves and still gain some progress. So I keep them short about 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah. I, and I think too, just connecting with somebody else, even if it's just one other person that has gone through the journey that can say, I hear you, I see you, I know what that feels like. You will get to the other side. I think there's, again, there's no price that you can put on that to, to sit in front of somebody or on Zoom with somebody to know that they understand where you're coming from. So if you or anybody you know that may be listening to this that is kind of trying to figure out what's next, um, and needs some guidance on that, please reach out to Lana and have those conversations with her. See what it's like to have an experience after, you know, going through your journey of infertility and know that there's kind of that other side of things that are great. So tell us about what it is that you guys fill your life with not having children and having fur babies um, so that other people can get a glimpse into that. Yeah, well, we... um we purposefully have decided um, in our marriage that we would create goals together for our marriage. And we came together actually at our anniversary a couple of years ago and started to decide what it was we wanted to have for our future together and for our marriage, what was important to us. Uh, So we have a set date night, even though we don't have kids, Mm -hmm. we have a set date night because most people that yeah, are in careers, it's so easy to come home and be like, oh, I don't have kids. And then, you know, you're eating macaroni and cheese on the sofa at nine o'clock and not even interacting with your partner. So we try to have at least one date night a week. Um, even though we all oftentimes have multiple, we just have Wednesday nights as our night to go out together and try new restaurants or whatever it is. Uh, we try to take a vacation that we plan together Uh, like outside the U.S. We haven't done one yet since um, COVID, but come together and explore a certain area of the world or a certain country or go back to a place that we love. So we try to just really create goals together as a couple. And then emotionally too, like talking about how how we're feeling if I have a bad day, because of course, you know, just because you're a coach doesn't mean that you don't ever feel sadness. And, you know, we'll talk about things that have come up for us and really know that we're there for one another. And I think it's really helped our marriage uh, because I would say I, I questioned whether my marriage would be enough when I couldn't become a mom. And I decided it is enough and it just doesn't magically happen. You've got to just put the effort into it. So those are just a couple of things that we do. Yeah. And that's amazing. But brings up another question. Did you, was your husband, how did he deal with it all? Was he kind of whatever, whatever you want to do? Did he have a feeling one way or the other? Were you guys always on the same page with everything? Um, Because I know a lot of times on the fertility journey, people are not on the same page. They'll Mm -hmm. say, oh, we're going to do IVF. And they're like, okay, that sounds great. And then they don't realize, well, that means like four rounds of IVF or whatever, whatever it is. So how, how did he do with the whole process? And did he have a grieving time of kind of that 
that life of what maybe he thought his life was going to be, or was he just whatever I'm on, you know, on the ride with you and whatever you want to do? I would say, um, he is not very vocal about it. I know he does grieve about it. Um, but doesn't like to talk to others about it. Cause I have encouraged him to maybe come on my podcast and help men that are probably sitting there feeling some loneliness, but that's just not his cup of tea. But as far as going through the journey together, I'd say that there was a couple things that he was strong about. He was not interested in doing ICSI. Mm -hmm. um, just from his standpoint and his background, he felt like he wanted the sperm and the embryo to kind of, or, you know, come together on their own. And um, yeah, he or the egg, sorry, I said embryo. Um, so I would say I respected his wishes on certain things. And I don't look back and say, oh, if we had done that, maybe I would still be a mom. I just, I felt like it was important for me to respect his wishes. And then as far as the IVF, um, he was always just my rock and showed up to the appointments and did what he had to do and took it like a champ and was just always there to to give me my injections and, and was just super for me throughout the whole process. And then after I would say, you know, we, we both were kind of thinking that adoption was the right route for us. And then I'd say in our own terms, we both came to the realization that it just was something that we were going to say no to. So we've definitely, I mean, we didn't have drag, you know, drag out fights about it. Um, but I think the communication part was just key um, and just respecting that even though it's our bodies, we often see it that way, that there's two people going through yeah, it together. Definitely. I think so often the men get eclipsed with their emotions or feelings around the whole experience. And some sometimes they really don't, they genuinely don't, they'll go with whatever, but oftentimes it, they they do have a, a feeling about it and they do have something deep inside and it's oftentimes again not as easy for them to communicate how they're feeling or whatnot so i do encourage people who are listening to check in with your partner and just ask literally ask them how they're feeling about it or what they're thinking oftentimes guys r respond better to the word thinking rather than feeling about the situation but just let them know that you're just checking in because we are doing this together, not just us. And I think that they often appreciate just the question of, of it coming up. So thank you for sharing your experience with your husband on it. Um, again, I want to reiterate that Lana's experience of deciding and or having in some ways the decision made for you, right? I have been, been told that very many times to me that this ne wasn't necessarily my decision, but we are in this situation of being childless and so happy. And I want to just reiterate that there is and can be a happy ending to not having children. And I know when you're in the situation, it feels like that will never happen. And your only way to happiness is children. And that just absolutely is not true. And I, please seek out Lana to have those conversations and work through those things because yes, have your time of grieving the life that you thought you were going to have, but also 
go to find what is waiting for you next because there is so much more after your fertility journey and just getting out of that cycle of the 28 day situations and whatever it's like it's a relief in some regard right to just like okay we're moving on from it and we're we're going to start you know the next chapter so thank you again for being here yeah well it's my pleasure and thanks for all that you do I, um, I've been following you for a long time and I just am in such admiration for people that continue to show up in the fertility community because it's so needed and something that most people don't talk about and shy away from the conversations and I'm just so proud of myself and people like you who just know that we need to be a voice for people that haven't found theirs yet. Yes. Thank you. And you too, because again, like there's so many paths, right? And it, it, there's a lot of different endings. And I know that we often see the one side of the ending and we don't talk about what happens next. So I'm, I'm glad to have this conversation and also have a place to point these people to that really need your support in a different way. So Great. thank you so much for being here and we will talk soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Elizabeth. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pretty Little Tribe podcast. Follow up on Instagram at the Pretty Little Tribe or at Elizabeth King underscore coaching for updates, resources, and a community to connect with. If you are looking for extra support and tools to guide you along your TTC and parenting journey, visit elizabethking.com. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast everywhere you're listening for a chance to receive a special gift. Visit elizabethking.com backslash pretty little tribe podcast for more information on how to enter any review counts. I just appreciate your honest feedback so I can provide you with the best support possible in your TTC and parenthood journey. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week.